Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live in two places tonight. We are going live to Groundcast. We're also going live over to And of course, we're going not live to the podcast arena. Not necessarily dead. I don't. I don't think it's that grim necessarily. No, we're still alive. We're living yeah, strong. We're still, alive. we're still out there. We're raring to go. Uh, but if you are over on Crowdcast, drop your questions and ask a question. We're going to get to them later in the show. If you're over on YouTube, say hello. Leave us a comment. Give us a little bit of the old uh, thumbs up. You there? We love that Good stuff. Day. But uh, I'm very excited about the show that we have tonight. We have two amazing, very fun show, amazing guests for you guys. But first, before we get into that. Justin, I believe we actually have a sponsor this week. We do have a sponsor. That is right. Justin, JT Sizzle coming at you with the ad reads. Um, Today, uh, we're sponsored by Lion Dandelion Tea, which is a refreshing Mm -hmm. and restorative tea. It's a detox for your liver. And I'll tell you what, I know that for a fact because this is my wife's dandelion tea company. And you can find it. You drink a lot. Yeah, you would know. Yeah, you got to detox it. Tell me more about this tea. Yeah, she started this because she was like, man, Justin drinks a lot of uh, – I'm drinking some uh, peat uh, white wine right now. Um, <laughs> so uh, this – we have a ton of this around our house. Uh, she's been um, – she runs the marketing for this company and has done so for quite some time. Um, but we – like we legit uh, drink a lot of this tea, especially uh, my eldest daughter, whose birthday it is today. She hey, happy birthday, oh, happy yeah. birthday, Happy birthday, Madigan. She happy drinks birthday. a lot of the tea? Yes, in a way, does like at her. Does she drink a lot? <laughs> well, th- we're trying to, you know, it's healthy okay. if you just detox, detox. the liver. Sure. <laughs> um, this stuff is great for your skin. It's a powerful debloater. And I mean, we're in quarantine. We're feeling bloated all the time, aren't we, guys? Sure yeah. are. Well, I, just a quick question Was that part of the script? We're feeling uh, the, bloated all the time? No, the, just the debloater part was, but I added a little bit. <laughs> okay. I wasn't, sure, I wasn't sure if the tea company was trying to push the people are bloated all the time. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm pushing that. 
Um, but this, they, one thing they do want to say is that it cures a quarantine hangover, oh. but it's also a great mixer with alcohol. And I can attest to that as well. So you can sort of, you can sort of get it coming and going a little bit. It, Justin, it seems like a cure-all. <laughs> it is. It's like a brain tonic. Yeah. <laughs> well, for your body uh, oh. i don't know if there if she's going to appreciate my ad read uh <laughs> but you can head over to uh liontea.com and follow them at at lion botanicals on instagram and we are uh, molly and i and a, a friend of ours who's a chef and artist are doing a uh, live um cooking presentation uh tomorrow at 4 30 so you can definitely check that out wow i'm if checking you, that out That's it's gonna fun. be ridiculous um the last one our children screamed the entire time and um you can use code comic book 20 for 20 percent off your first order and the 20 is because we're 20 years old right exactly because that's how old my wife thinks i am (laughs) she's always buying the alcohol because she thinks i'm underage what's your favorite flavor uh well there are a bunch of flavors i love the unsweetened one because it's just uh the dandelion root has um, this nice bitterness and the unsweetened is like it gets you uh so i really like that but they have um they have six flavors uh two of which are uh unsweetened no sugar at all um and check them you, out which one do you mix with which one do you like mixing uh the the uh strawberry like, let's just say you had some vodka yes and oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm going to get some tea and send it your way, uh, the other gentleman of Comic Book Club, because you got to check this stuff out. Um, The strawberry lavender is really nice to throw in a margarita, for instance. Wow. Uh, Or throw it in vodka, too. Why not? Well, I, for one, am excited to both detox and tox with this. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Here's to the tox. You tox the tox and you (laughs) detox the detox. All right, uh, from tea leaves to another type of wood-type substance. I don't know. That was a terrible segue. Yes. Uh, we're going to get into talking about the comics with our first guest here. I've just invited him into the stream, so hopefully he should pop up any second now. Uh, very excited to chat with him because he is one of our favorite writers here on the show. We'll see if he comes in in a moment. I'm, I'm vamping here a little bit, seeing what's going on. Uh, but yeah, just to set it up, happen. it is Gene Lerner Gang. You're up. Hey. Yeah. I got to be honest. I was nervous. I had all my fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> this this is, my computer, it just kind of sucks. But listen, obviously yeah. it's working right now. Yeah, this yes. whole uh, streaming thing, a little bit dicey. But we're very excited to chat with you. Uh, specifically about Superman Smashes the Clan, yes. which is an incredible book. Uh, it's got art by Guri Hairu, who's two of my favorites. I was going to say one of my favorites, but two of my yeah. favorites. Uh, and letters by Jenny, Janice Chiang. Uh, and it's we reviewed the first issue when it came out. It's four, I believe it's four oversized issues, right? It was three. 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 Three oversized right. issues. Uh, they were collected today. The collection was out this morning. Even though most of comics is on pause, the book is out today. Uh, and it's beautiful, and it's fabulous, and it's yeah. heartfelt, and uh, an incredible Superman story. Um, I could do the pitch, but I'd rather you, ha- you do the pitch. Uh, what is the general idea of the book? Well, thank you, first of all. Thank you for reading it, and thank you for saying all those super nice things about it. I'm going to tell my love the book. Yeah, the book is really great. It'll give me out of something. Thank you. Thank you. So I have it here. Um, I have nothing to do with 
really. I, I kind of suck at cover design. So it was the DC design cover uh, design department that came up with this. I thought they did a great job. Even has spot gloss. I don't know if you can tell, but Ooh, yeah. uh, this is a, it's a project that I've been wanting to do for a really long time. So a while ago, I read in this book called Freakonomics about this uh, storyline on the 1940s Superman radio show where Superman actually took on like the DC universe version of the Ku Klux Klan. And supposedly after that storyline aired, the actual real life KKK experienced this huge drop in membership. Yeah. When I was a kid, my wow. mom and my dad always used to tell me like, why are you reading those comics? Those have nothing to do with the real world. And this was, I mean, I kind of wish I had known about this when I was a kid, but this was yeah. finally a, an example where I could point to like, look, this, this geek stuff actually has a real world effect, you know? It can actually work for the positive in our actual world. So it, it always fascinated me about that. It also fascinated me because at the center of the story was actually a Chinese-American family. And and I've been reading Superman comics since I was a little kid. I just don't remember that many like Asian people in those in those books, you know? And to find out that there was an Asian family in a Superman story from the 1940s was just really mind-blowing to me. So I, I got to ask before we get into the plot or talk about the look of the book or anything like that. Um, this is Superman smashes the clad. It's not like Superman smashes Cobra or Superman smashes whatever else. And it always feels like with comic books, there is this sub in, whether it's Cobra or Hydra, or I guess some other snake themed villain, but here it is <laughs> like straight up the clan. Uh, was there any pushback on that? Even though it was based on this old serial. Well, I mean, it's it's actually within the book. It, we we decided to follow the original show, right? So in the original show, it actually was kind of a sub-in. It was they didn't call them the Ku Klux Klan. They called them in the show the Clan of the Fiery Cross. But everybody kind of knew what they were talking about. And I read this uh, this book about it. it it's called uh, Superman versus the KKK by a, a guy named Rick Bowers. It's awesome. It's all about this whole thing. And in that book, it talks about how DC was kind of worried that um, the KKK could sue them because they were actually like, they had like copyrights and, you know, trademarks and all this kind of stuff in certain states. Certain states recognize them as like an actual legal entity. So they decided to use the sub But I, I kind of feel like it, it was okay because the, the markers were so clear. They wore hoods, they burned giant wooden crosses, all that stuff was there. So there was no mistaking who they were talking about. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to jump in real quick and say that the, the story was like sometimes when you have like an all ages story or it, a comic looks a certain way, you think, OK, this is just going to be kind of like fun. But the conversations that are had in this comic are really powerful, very moving, very touching. I as the more I read uh, from this comic, the more impressed I was. The ending's unbelievable. I think. You know, even though Superman's a little bit more cartoonish, like you really they captured the voice in such a way. I, I was really, really impressed by this comic. Well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, from from folks like you who like do all this stuff in the world of comics, it, it really does mean a lot. It means a lot to hear that. Well, I especially think that people we're all on lockdown here and this comic. Everyone's talking about how like it's such a like a bad time to be releasing a comic, but this feels so spot on to what we need sort of like Superman smashing um, something that feels real. Like yeah. I think it's good. Superman smashing the clan is it's good as Superman smashing COVID right now. So I think that's uh, right where we want to be as far as reading a book. Well, thanks. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Thank you. I have, to ask, have any of you, like were you, were any of you fans of the original radio show? 
Like, did you find them on the internet or anything? No, we do have somebody here in the uh, comments, Pete's Punisher Slippers over on Crowdcast, who uh, says always- the radio serial is on YouTube. But I-, I never checked it out. I didn't even know what it was other than we're fans of yours, fans of Gurry Hyru. So I was like, great, on board. Um, but how how much did you change the script? How much did you tweak it and update it for 2020 or 2020? Yeah, I, mean, I think... I think- you know, as a as a geek, as somebody who's been reading comics since I was a little kid, I am like I have a lot of nostalgia. You know what I mean? And the nostalgia kind of makes it so that I don't want to change certain things. So we uh, we decided to keep the the bones of the series. So all the major characters are there, the major plot points are there. But there are some things that you just have to update for a modern audience, right? So one thing was um, it was sixteen episodes, and sometimes it would have these really ridiculous nineteen forty style cliffhangers. So there's this one show <laughs> where. The clan has like Jimmy Olsen uh, tied up, you know, and they're like, oh, we're going to tarn feather you, Jimmy Olsen. And then they cut. And then in the beginning of the next episode, they're like, wait, who forgot the tar? Where's the tar? We got to go get the tar. And then they have to yeah. go out and like, buy tar. you can't do that in a modern yeah. comic. <laughs> One of the things that I think is most fascinating about the story is that it isn't just this Chinese American family that's being, you know, attacked by the Klan. And of course the other uh, people who are not white and Aryan and whatever else who are being attacked by the Klan. Uh, you also at the same time parallel it with the story of Superman dealing with his own alien nature. Yeah. What was yeah. it like delving into both of those things at the same time and balancing them? You know, I, I felt like a lot of that was already there. Like, like a lot of the the super the the alienness of of Superman has been there from the very beginning. And Superman's been around so long; he's gone through all these different eras. So, in some eras, that has been more emphasized than in other eras, right? I actually, I mean, I, I kind of think of Superman as like a really deeply Jewish character. Maybe not even Jewish. Maybe it's Jewish American. So, I, I think a lot of the stuff about him, you know, that he has these two different identities, that he has to sneak around most of the time wearing these normal, like, quote-unquote, civilian clothes. Uh, a lot of that was drawn from Jewish-American experience in, like, the 1930s when he was created. So all that all that kind of stuff about, like, coming, like, embracing who you actually are, I think it's just baked into who that character is. This is getting back to something Pete said earlier uh, about the all ages nature of the book. When you are dealing with these very serious subjects, like uh, straight up racism, straight up the clan, as you know, pushing the superheroics to a side for a moment, how do you format that for an all ages book? Do you feel like there's times when you're pushing it too far and you have to pull it back, or how do you hit that exact right line? Yeah, there, there, there were, I mean, there's still things that I feel kind of, kind of weird about, you know, uh, first is the original radio show was actually for kids. It was meant for like eight, nine, 10 year olds. So we did look a lot at how they dealt with that. Um, they, they, I, I felt like in, in a lot of ways, they were very honest about what they were dealing with, right? Um, they didn't use any bad language or anything like that, but in terms of the actual fear, that the clan caused, they were super honest about that. So we tried to do the same thing, but there were other questions like, you know, um, like how, how far do we go with racial epithets? How much violence can we actually show on panel? Do we know, do we show guns or not? That was this huge debate in yeah. between editors. Like how do we show guns? So in the end we, sh- we did show a couple, but, but we tried to keep the guns to a minimum. 
It's interesting that it was, uh, especially comics back then, and the serial like were much more like these are for kids. Yet it dealt with like much more intense subjects. And now, sort of, neither of those things are true. Most comics don't touch on sort of intense political uh, subjects, and comics are decidedly not for kids anymore in most people's minds. Yeah. Uh, so I love the fact that where you're sort of bringing it back to that, which is better to have that level of uh, that variety in comic books, I think is important. Yeah, I, I agree. I actually am really, you know, proud to be a part of this DC young readers line. Have you, have you read any of the other books in, in the line? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We actually, uh, it's not exact. I guess it was more like YA, but we had Michael Morrissey on the show last week talking okay. about the great okay. book. And we've read a couple of the other ones as well. Okay. Um, I haven't read that great. book yet. What? It, it was awesome though. Yeah. It looked amazing. Uh, yeah, what is it like working with the DC Young Readers line? Are there are there different directives? Because you've written mainstream DC titles at the same time. Yeah, yeah, dude. It's 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 really different. <laughs> I have to say, it's really really different. Um, <laughs> so, okay, first, can can I ask, like, what do you guys think of like the New Fifty Two era and Rebirth and all all, all that kind of stuff? It's good, um, mostly. Would you say, Pete? It was good mostly. I mean, it had some stuff, but like overall, there was some great stuff. I mean, Aquaman came back hard from the new 52, which was great. There was like a lot of Batwoman was unbelievable. Like, uh, you know, Batman detectives got really good. I mean, there was some sweet stuff going on. I mean, some stuff you're like, all right, but you know, (laughs) I mean, I, I think DC's done a good job of pushing in better directions than they had uh, in the years before that, I would say, with the newer stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I came in at DC during the end of the New 52 era. And nice. I, I agree. I think, I think some of the New 52 stuff was great. I thought Wonder Woman was awesome. I thought, I thought uh, yeah. like uh, Aquaman was amazing. That was like the best Aquaman had been in a yeah. really long time. But Superman was kind of weird. I felt like I, yeah. I came in when I came in. <laughs> Man was like dating Wonder Woman, which was, I guess, was fine. But it, nope. it felt really He's playing around. I'm, He's trying new stuff yeah, out. I think more of a traditional about about that. <laughs> and and also, it was my first time writing like monthly comics, so I had to get used to the the rhythm of it. It took me a while. I, I felt like like my first issues for DC. I don't know. It's, it was a little rough. I felt like it was a little rough. I'm really glad that they were patient with me. But with the <laughs> Young Readers line, I do. I'm much more in my element, you know, like I, I feel more comfortable with a longer page count. I come from the world of graphic novels and all of that is there. And then also um, like the way they deal with continuity in the young readers line is really interesting. It feels more like the Joker movie, you know, like where you're there. It's not totally bound into continuity and they can kind of just pick and choose what they want to bring in. That's nice. That's I would think that gives you a level of freedom that uh, is nice. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. I've I've read this argument uh, about Marvel versus DC that I kind of agree with. I'd love to hear what you guys think about this. But but the the writer of this article said that they felt like Marvel works best as like a unified universe where everything's kind of tied in, and DC works best when they let like a like a writer or an artist kind of take their iconic characters and do their own spin on it, where it's not mm-hmm. totally tied. Which is weird because when you when you think about them in the comics, it's for me, I think of the reverse because like you I would always hear about how DC has things planned out years and years in advance and how organized and meticulous they are about that kind of stuff. 
and Marvel's like, hey, we're going to try to make things fun. And, you know, like, <laughs> we'll you know, throw out a bunch of comics, see what happens, you know. But it's like Marvel kind of matured in that way and then, like, kind of hit a popularity swing and made some smart decisions and really cashed in. I, I mean, I agree with Gene, though, like, the because uh, the, all the DC heroes are such big characters they're the gods they uh they're the the big swingers so like to to let them stand alone and really operate like a like a a mythology like the greek myths didn't have a continuity they were just like screwing around mostly and i think that works a lot with those same dc characters yeah i mean i would say just to agree with you guys i'm always a big fan of whenever dc and I, and I know they don't necessarily uh, turn out well in terms of sales necessarily, but when they push and they're like, here's a very specific writer and artist's take on this character. Let's run with that. Um, there was a, I think it was, it was Constantine Riley Rosmo did the art on a while ago, um, which was amazing for a little while, or this obviously did very well, but like Brian Oslo and Cliff Chiang on uh, Wonder Woman was amazing. Wonder and Woman. Was, yeah. Like, yeah. A very specific was- take. And when it is something that like can go in its own direction or what a lot of writers are often let to, to do for at least a little while on Batman and like take that in a very specific artistic direction as a reader, that's always refreshing and exciting to read. But I do understand when those things eventually swing back to, nope, he's just solving crimes. Now fight the Joker. The <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what now that you've tackled one serial, are you going to do another serial? Do, is that something you're even looking at, or do you feel like totally different type of story? Yeah, I don't know. I'm I am interested in um, World War II now because I had to do a bunch of research in that era. 1946 was right after World War II ends, and and I just think like so much a- after researching for this book, I realized so much of our actual real world now is kind of rooted in what happened after World War II. I, I also kind of think we're we're in the middle of something like that now. You know, like World War II was this big crisis. Afterwards, the world had this chance of rebuilding something new. We're in the middle of this giant crisis right now. I think, you know, ten, like 20, 30 years down the line, people are actually going to look at what happens immediately after this to figure out where the roots of their world came And that's from. when you release Superman Smashes COVID. Yeah. yeah. Good. <laughs> Uh, I'm really hurry that up, please. I'd really yeah, like that to I need a I need a guidebook. I need some tips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Gene, thank you so much for coming on. Congratulations on the book, everybody. Go pick it up. Well, don't go pick it up anywhere, but you know, pick it up online. <laughs> Order it online. Order it. Uh, anything else you want to plug before we go? Well, I I do have two books coming out during the during the COVID era. Yes. Uh, I had this book come out in in uh, in oh, March. Yeah. It's called Dragon Hoops. First nonfiction book. It's about a high school basketball team that I followed for a season. I, I oh, proposed wow. it as a two hundred awesome. book, being four hundred pages long. Because I just <laughs> yes, more to say than I wanted to say. Excellent. So check out Dragon Hoops. Yeah, Hoops. Thank you. Thank you yeah. For me. check out Superman Smashes the Clan. Thank you for coming on, uh, and stay safe out there. Thanks so much. All right, you too. Thank you. Good All talking right. to you. There you go, Gene uh, Luen Yang. Great guy. Definitely, definitely pick up this book. Uh, it's Great. Oh, it's so good. It's really fun read. Yeah. yeah. I agree. And now we're going to try to bring our next guest into the feed here. 
Uh, he is, to give him a little bit of an intro, uh, Joshua Yell. He's a senior editor at <laughs> IGN. And I am going to... Oh, God. Oh, I messed up the sound cues. Hold on. Here we go. Uh, and oh. that means it's time for... Yeah, there we go. Josh, nice. how are you doing? Great. Hey, guys. How's it going? All Great. Right. Thanks for coming by. Yeah. Um, I'll say it. I am a huge, huge, huge fan of the show. So I'm nah. stoked to be on and talk oh, to you man. guys. Aw. We're a Thank fan you. of yours, and uh, it's always exciting to see you. Uh, first of all, how before we get into the book that we're going to be talking about here on the stack, uh, how's everything going for you? How are things going uh, in the old entertainment journalism business on your end? Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I cover the entertainment industry, and the entertainment industry has ground to a halt, right? Everything's been postponed or delayed till like, next year. Um, but, uh, I mean, we're doing what we can to keep – the, the lights on and stuff. Um, IGN actually started up a, uh, a a watch from home theater, we call it, uh, where we have on different actors, writers, directors, and celebrities and such to watch movies with us, and everyone can tune in at home. Oh, wow. um, Very cool. It's not an original idea. Literally every other site is doing that too, um, but that's that's kind of a fun thing that's been keeping us going. Awesome. Cool. Uh, well, let's talk about what we're going to talk about for the stack. If you're watching on video, you probably can kind of figure out that it's a Green Lantern thing based on the shirt he's wearing. How, in the ring. And the it? number of rings, the rings. That he has. Huh? Yeah, that's a yeah. lot of rings, buddy. I, I'm so he's, glad you're rocking those because to me that was that was really exciting to be able to go to the comic book uh, store uh, every Wednesday and get a different colored ring. Yeah. No, that's that's it. Uh, I didn't want to cut off Alex, but but uh, to jump jump to, in, right into yeah, it. But like, oh, it's okay to cut off Alex. Okay, cool. Um, uh, you've you've watched the show before, right? That's, that's <laughs> the best goes. part. And if you like cutting um, off Alex, you're gonna love cutting off Pete. Whew, what a dream. <laughs> uh, I think I've learned to never do that. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you do. Uh, well, here, I'll, right I'll introduce the book. Uh, so we're gonna be talking about uh, Blackest Night. Specifically, uh, we read back the Blackest Night miniseries. I think you were saying you read through the whole thing, right, Josh? Like, I was actually coming up with a list of the best Green Lantern comics on Comixology Unlimited um, mm -hmm. because people are looking for something to do, and we noticed right. a lot more interest in Comixology Unlimited. So that's actually on IGN.com if anyone wants to, to check it out. It uh, but as I was doing it, there was a bunch of Blackest Night books that were available. Not the actual main Blackest Night book, but a lot of the stuff around that event. But then after just getting like a little taste of that, I was like, I have to dive back in and go read the full event again. And I, I'm, I'm happy to say it, it, it holds up. Yeah, so yeah. this was uh, Blackest Night. It started with a zero issue. Sorry about that, Pete. Uh, oh. But it went through eight uh, full issues, all written by Jeff Johns, art by Ivan Rice. This was the end, pretty much the end of the whole saga that Jeff Johns had started since Green Lantern Rebirth, going through the Sinestro Corps War, going through all the color wars and everything, leading into this Blackest Night event uh, where death takes over the DC universe. Um, and yeah, I agree. It's funny. I remember we talked about almost every issue back in the day while it was coming out. And it was one of those things where it felt like you read the main series, but there's also tales of the blackest night and all the tie-ins yeah. and everything. Yeah. And it became so overwhelming that I think about it as this enormous thing. It was kind of fascinating to just read the main mini series and delve into that and focus on that. Uh, yeah. Because I do think for the most part, it works really well as a story, particularly for the beginning. 
uh, in terms of being terrifying, uh, in terms of building on all the things Jeff Johns built up. I, I thought it was great. Pete, Justin, what did you guys take away from it? Uh, yeah, I felt the same way. Like it really felt like the uh, Avengers Endgame uh, of of Green Lantern. Like it had this like everybody coming together. There were great twists and turns um, throughout. Uh, a lot of fun stuff, and it really felt like. I mean, Jeff Johns is such a meticulous uh, like writer, and he is so arch with all of his plans. And this felt like he was springing all of his traps at once uh, in a good way. And just coming back and reading the getting hit with the continuity of Batman being dead, Barry Allen having just returned and all those other things that were going on at the time was like, oh, yeah, that was such a crazy time in DC continuity. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not the biggest Green Lantern fan. Right. But how did this strike you? Yeah. So uh, not not a fan of the the Green Lantern, the space cops, if you will. Uh, but this okay, this was okay. a fun event. You could tell it's hey, man, fine. Hey, no, it's fine. No, no, hey, no, hey, no, hey no, 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 go on. Look what you've done. Literally, we invited him into like, our home. Everybody, you know, that's why there's so many colors of the rainbow. Everybody has their likes, you know. Uh, but uh, also, they paired up with the Flash, so that's two of my least favorite working together. But I think that. Uh, it, like you're saying, it is such a fun, big event. There's a lot of cool things, a lot of relationship moments, a lot of big, like, wow stuff. Um, but I, it was also fun to see them, like, playing with it, you know, like seeing Lex Luthor get a ring, like seeing these things happen that really was like, oh, shit, oh, shit. I mean, it was a little confusing. I remember the first time I read it through, I was like, all right, why is this guy, everybody calling him the black hand or whatever when it came out of bruce wayne's grave isn't that bruce and there were times where they're like bruce but then it wasn't bruce uh so i was a little confused about that part just to describe that so there's villain called black hand which is a classic green lantern villain he's carrying bruce wayne's skull so they're referring to bruce wayne's skull as bruce so it's like a uh uh you would say a shakespearean moment where he was in the last poor yorick situation um Mm -hmm. which uh i encounter a lot as a classically trained actor i have a lot of skulls with you you know different skulls for different in the evening i have my evening skull i have my um backyard skull um i go into the grocery store skull because you can pontificate at any moment you know yeah uh, so I Josh, thought it was a, oh, yeah. it was just like a fun big event. Uh, you know, yes, it, it had some of my least favorite characters, but I still felt like it had so much stuff going on. Like everybody kind of got involved, and plus they did a great job of doing the rings and like all the different stuff of like what's more powerful than love. You know, like what what is these things that win out at the end of the day? So. Uh, I was impressed with it overall as a DC event, even though, and that's saying something, even though I had had a lot of uh, my least favorite characters. And then that (laughs) floating cat that pulls me out every time. Just a quick follow-up question. Did this crossover have any of your least favorite characters? I don't know if you've mentioned yet. No, no, I don't think I mentioned that. I I think All right. Uh, Josh, what about you for revisiting this at this point? What struck you differently if anything about this crossover well i suppose being in a pandemic and reading something what is essentially like a zombie takeover <laughs> and yeah. uh, and like having to like all they, like, they don't know what these zombies these black lanterns are all about and have to learn the rules just like we're learning the rules of like how to combat covid and stuff so it was it was oddly like uh relevant 
to, mm-hmm. to our current situation. But luckily, the, the, the similarities stop there, and there's no, you know, zombies or black lanterns outside or anything. That I've yet. seen. Yes, y- yes. Yet. Um, but no, going. really just reading yeah. it took me back. And yeah, we mentioned the rings earlier. Like, just going to the comic book store became a mini event and its own yeah. as this was coming out and just getting a new ring with each issue. Um, and then I would like uh, go in my car and not even drive home and just sit and read the issue. Cause like, I couldn't wait to see what was going to happen next in this story, mm-hmm. because like you had said before, it had been building up for so long and yes, they were springing every trap. So it was like payoff, payoff, payoff. Something yeah. huge happens in every other panel. Um, and you really do have to be someone who was there for the whole ride to appreciate the whole thing uh, of like starting with Green Lantern Rebirth and reading just sort of the whole thing through the uh, Sinestro Core War and the War of Light and everything. So it's just like payoff, 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 payoff. Um, and it just it all happened at such an interesting time in the DC universe. Like as we mentioned before, Batman was dead. And that's a major plot point. They a whole meal out of that. Uh, when we get that Black Lantern uh, Batman zombie, which is super awesome. That was a wallpaper for me for a while. Um, <laughs> but also, uh, Aquaman was dead. Martian Manhunter was dead. Yeah, there were a ton yeah. of dead characters. It so was that actually just Yeah, it gave uh, so, there's so much fuel for the story of what it meant to the various characters to see those characters um, come back. Um, uh, one thing I have to mention was when I was reading uh, Blackest Night, it starts with an intro from somebody who was on the uh, the crew of the Green Lantern movie, which was had just gotten in, into production at the time. And they're like, oh, man, this movie's going to be so good. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> wow. Uh, hey, now that's a zombie okay. movie. The end is okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Alex always goes to bat for the Green I'll Lantern movie. I'll go to bat movie. for it. I don't know it's what. Not- what, who, what are you trying to win? Into the sun. It's fine. It's fine. The editor didn't even watch that movie. <laughs> oh, wow. Geez. Hot takes. For uh, I, I will say there are parts of that movie I like. And I made a, a fan edit, actually, where I went back and edited oh, wow. it down to like a, a 30 minute, really solid superhero movie. <laughs> but hey. you, do, you do lose a lot. It's only 30 minutes. <laughs> Good. Good. I'm into it. Yeah, I'll definitely watch that. Uh, what were some moments that jump out to you uh, for any of you? It's just things from the book that like really grabbed you in a particular well, way. A couple of things just off the jump on that. It, it's I was uh, surprised in rereading it that it's really a Batman Flash story. Uh, it's set so much of it is set in the Batman world, and Flash is the protagonist. Um, Adam and Mira are the Superman and Wonder Woman sort of yeah. through a lot of uh, throughout a lot of it. Which was uh, which was Wait, cool. Sorry, do you like, mean Green Lantern Flash story, not Batman Flash? No, I I mean because um, a lot of it takes place in Gotham City. Um, oh, okay. You do like you see Commissioner Gordon. Like the first few issues, it's so much still in Batman's death. Uh, which I I because we're not in that continuity right now, it felt weird to be sort of wallowing in that for so long. And I feel like the intention was to really build to that moment when Batman barfs the rings that kill living people. Um, <laughs> Also, there's so much barfing in this book. Truly nonstop. Even the end when everyone's winning, everyone's barfing still. Yeah. Classic stand-by-me type situation. Uh, the I have a question about the Batman thing. So for those of you who haven't read it in a while, as we've been describing, uh, Batman was killed in Grant Morrison's run. Obviously, he eventually came back. He was falling through time. Um Lots of things going on with him there that are too complicated to explain at this moment. But it kind of feels like when they get to that moment, they bring Batman, quote unquote, back and he barfs the rings. And then later on, they back away from it. 
and are like, oh, well, that like there's even quotes around Bruce Wayne at one point, I think, when they when Necron says it or Black Hand says it. And to me, it feels like they legitimately thought Batman was dead. And then somebody, Grant Morrison, was like, no, he's not dead. What are you talking about? No, no, no. Of course, he comes back. Time, 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 time. Did that strike anybody else that way? Or am I being like too conspiracy theory about it? It definitely, I think it, I think you're, you're right in some ways where they were definitely protecting that idea um, because they say a couple times like Batman appears and then vanishes and they say very specifically, that wasn't him though. And then later it's like, no, I think he's still alive probably. And it's like, yes, clearly they wanted to protect that from the white light at the end that revives so many heroes. Yeah. And they also, there was that moment where they were like, Robin doesn't believe he still thinks he's alive. Yeah, I think a couple things were going on there. And one was that, they're like, okay, this is a big DC Comics event. Green Lantern is going to headline it. Um, there's going to be an issue where Green Lantern's not even in it. And really, Flash, Mira, and Adam are going to be the, the headliners. Uh, and and it's, it's kind of risky. So they're like, how can we work Batman in in a cool way? Yeah. So like, we'll use it, him as though he's dead. And we'll have that cool, awesome zombie Batman shot. Um, you know, just to make sure we check that box. Okay, cool. Batman moment in this DC event. Got it. Um, but then at the end, of course, they had to do that kind of like quickly explain it away. I'm like, oh, it's not really him. Yeah. Yeah. Here, I'll throw out I, not to keep lumping on this. Oh, yeah. Pete, oh. go ahead. I was just going to say they uh, famously there was a meeting where they kind of uh, went over like how things were going with that. And then someone was like, I like this, but I need more barfing. And then they kind of <laughs> really yeah. 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 Yeah, Dan DiDio famously loves barf. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, again, not to like keep lumping on this book because mostly I think it's fabulous and uh, we've kind of bounced around this, but Ivan Rice's art is incredible so throughout yep. every yeah. single superhero thing. Every single action sequence is absolutely amazing from the beginning through the end. The, my one little quibble that from in my mind hurts Ooh. the ending a little bit is I don't think Necron is a great villain. Black Hand is a great villain. The uh, the Black Lanterns are horrifying for the first two thirds. But essentially, all Necron does is he stands there in the middle of Gotham City, yells "Die" a couple of times, and then they beat him, and that's pretty much it. And to me, that's a that's a little bit of a bummer. Well, I do think Necron and Black Hand were more in the other books surrounding it, they weren't as much sort of their story wasn't told much in the, in the actual blackest night standalone uh, series because they are just sort of like the scary thing lurking uh, for most of this. I thought. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll say this. You're right that he's not, there's not a lot of meat there. I mean, not just cause he's only a skeleton, um, <laughs> but, but uh, they, there's a line in the book of, of as they're attacking him from, at all angles with all the colored cores coming together, you know, shooting all their different laser rainbow beams at him, um, and he, it's not affecting him. And they say, well, well, why isn't he, like, stopping to, like, monologue or, you know, do anything? He's not even turning to face us. And, like, he doesn't care. Like, he is nothing. He is death. He is the space between atoms. Um, yeah. the, he's darkness personified and he just has one goal and it's to destroy all life. And that's when he like, you know, pulls out the entity, um, which actually for me was an awesome moment because Sinestro like surprise takes the, yes. the control of the white lantern. And it, I kind of, I'm not going to say I saw every twist coming, but I was like very, not very surprised going through most of the event because so much had been set up and I was like obsessed with the mythology of what the different rings did. But that was surprising. I was like, Oh my yeah. gosh, Sinestro is the white lantern. 
Yeah, I agree. That was that was a fun. Even in the reread, I was like, "Oh, right, yeah." He jumps in and, and like <laughs> snatches that shit. Uh, this isn't like, gonna end well. Yeah, really. Well, actually, I mean, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say, I uh, I was I'm actually remember being super disappointed because in the if you just read the Blackest Night series, he becomes the White Lantern and tries to you know save the day. It doesn't work out, and almost immediately it gets ripped out of him, and he turns back to regular Sinestro. And I thought, oh, man, like I really wanted to like savor that moment and see what he would do with that power. But I remembered if you go read the Green Lantern tie-in issue that happens right after that, it like fills in that space. And actually Necron like cuts him down the middle, like Mortal Kombat yes. style uh, with his scythe. And then it got folds back nice. together. And he's like, you can't kill me. I'm life incarnate. <laughs> and so he did actually get his moment there. He got a slice and half moment. Some other stuff I also really liked in this, the – in issue three, the devastating death of Firestorm was just like, ah, oh. oh, just oh. so upsetting. Like, truly. And, and that was a Firestorm iteration that, like, I don't think a lot of people are like, that's my favorite version. Um, but that that whole scene was just horrible. I love that they brought Dove in to be the avatar of the white light. Sort oh, of, um, yeah, throughout. that was cool. That was very cool. And just the deputizing of all the different characters. That's just so fun. Like Pete yeah. mentioned Lex Luthor as the Larflees' Orange yeah. Lantern, like Scarecrow, like all the like what a great Jeff classic Jeff Johns move to be like, oh yeah, what about these people? Yeah. Super fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh since you did read a bunch of the other issues, are if somebody was to delve into Blackest Night, mm-hmm. read the main miniseries, is there anything else they should definitely check out at this point? Uh, if you just want more Blackest Night, I mean, the the Green Lantern series that takes place alongside it and interweaves with it is great. And there's also Green Lantern Corps, which is going on at the same time. But really, it's just whatever you want to do more or whatever you want to know more about, you can go find it. Because they really went all in on this event. Yeah, there's like the yeah. tales of, of the Blackest Night, uh, the Wonder Woman one, um, which, which I believe was Rucka and uh, Scott at the time. Uh, they're... Issue where um, Wonder Woman becomes a Black Lantern and has to like fight Mira and stuff. That was spectacular. That is like really really good. So if cool. if you have a, uh, a hankering for more, definitely check that out. Also, I do want to mention real quick. I think the best moment in the whole story is actually this moment where um, it's issue three. I mentioned it before. The Green Lantern's not even in it, um, and no other like marquee heroes are. It's the Flash. Adam and Mira, and it's just up to them to just protect Earth while yeah. Hal Jordan goes to get all the other colored lanterns. And there's this beautiful moment where um, Flash says, hey, well, you're Wonder Woman and you're Superman now. And then he like, zooms off. And then Mira turns to Adam and says, if I'm Wonder Woman and you're Superman, what's that make him? And the Adam just kind of turns like to the camera and he's like, the Flash. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was great. It's like Good. the nerdiest moment ever. And I love it. Yeah. Throughout, uh, I feel like there's just so many moments like that, particularly in the first couple of issues, which I know we're hitting the same points or whatever, but just like Jeff and Ivan just nail every single one of those. Justin, what were you going to say? I also thought it was interesting that whenever a, a hero came back as a Black Lantern, they were just like an, an instant asshole. They were like a heckler. They were like, yeah. oh, look, it's me. I'm a dick. Like, I thought they, they all had sort of the same voice. And it's just very funny that it was like, I, I'm going to make a joke about how I'm dead now. <laughs> what a funny thing to put on the zombie versions of all the characters. 
Uh, well, uh, to that point, the thing that really worked for me rereading this again, particularly now that we've had a lot more zombies in mainstream universes, is it does feel much more personal to the characters in a different way than, say, Marvel Zombies or Deceased or anything like that, which are taking place in these other continuities that are both very good. But here you do get like those very specific continuity things of Gene Loring just digging into the atom oh, based on stuff or uh, not plastic man. Uh, elongated man. Elongated man. Thank you. Uh, elongated man really like getting at the Hawks in that first yeah. issue as well. Just all of that stuff works because it is based in this long history that they're building on. It's great. Josh, before we let you go, anything you want to plug? Any place people should check you out? Um, Where is that half an hour uh, cut? Where can we go see that? Yeah, yeah, put that up. That's just on my hard drive. I I was, I think, I don't. All right, we'll be there. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it would be legally okay to post it online, but Uh, uh, there are no laws anymore. We're at full (laughs) shit. Yeah, full purge, full purge Um, effect. You, any anyone who. wants to hear me uh, ramble on more about not only Green Lantern, but, you know, Marvel, DC, Star Wars, uh, Lady Gaga, Pokemon. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Joshua Yale, last name spelled Y-E-H-L. It doesn't make sense to me either. Just go with it. Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> that's the Yale. To, uh, that's the Yale I graduated from, for sure. <laughs> uh-huh. um, uh, I don't think to like, plug or anything but i will say if you tell you what instead of doing coming and doing me a favor go do someone else a favor during these trying times and say this is for joshua yeah (laughs) and shout out to goose in the background uh (gasps) yes yeah he's he is a uh He's tough to be a roommate, but he is cute. <laughs> awesome. Don't get me Josh, started on, on Groot over here. Huh? Yeah. Ooh, love it. Oh, yeah. Right. Groot's right at the edge. That was great. We we missed all of the important questions is what's going on. Uh, Josh, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on. It's so good seeing you. Thanks for the recommendation. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. All right. Uh, yeah, I just fun got times. off like a horrible jerk. Strong habits. You're sort of the booth man now. What's your booth man name? Um, What's my booth man name? Because you're also the booth man now. Oh, yeah. That's a great question. Uh, Well, whatever my name is, I think that Pete should spend a little time sucking on a (laughs) cheesesteak. Wow. Oh, man. man. That's fun. We are officially a drive time radio show. Yeah, way to be be the the morning (laughs) DJ. Yeah, uh, Zams in the morning. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's a bobby 50 degrees out there right now. Don't go outside, though, because it's not safe. Hi, everybody. I'm Alex in the morning. Okay. Uh, and we actually have, to transition into a normal setup thing, uh, we have a couple of other titles that we're going to talk about here on the stack because some new comics actually have started coming out from DC yes. Comics. And next week, more comics are coming out. So who knows what's going to happen? But for right now, a bunch yeah, of new- we might lose our minds. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, anyway, a bunch of DC books came out, so let's talk through the first one to talk about: Metal Men number six from DC, story by Dan DiDio and Shane Davis, and art by Shane Davis. Uh, this is focusing in on Platinum, one of the Metal Men, and her story as or she Tina. figures out that she. It, 
Yeah, or Tina for short. Uh, and she goes to visit the person who she was based on. That's basically what's happening here. Uh, what do you think about this book? Uh, I mean, we were just lumping on uh, – last time we talked about this book, we were lumping on Dan DiDio. Obviously, he's a big fan of barfing, as we learned in the last uh, our last segment. Um, but I actually like this issue a lot. Um, the confrontation between um, uh, Platinum and the woman she was based on I thought was really well done and a smart – a smart choice. Yeah. The idea of the metal men finding a way to have uh, become autonomous from their creator is a, is a cool story. Yeah. I think it was, uh, it's very creative, which is fun. The art's great. I really like Tina. It, it was kind of fun to see her confront herself in a way. Um, and then the giant monster that kind of gurgles into the mountain cave, big fan of that moment. So yeah, yeah it had some great stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm curious what's going to happen with this book, given everything that went on with Dan DiDio behind the scenes. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably not continuing for long. Uh, but there you go. Let's move on to another one. Justice League Odyssey number 20, script by Dan Abnett and art by Cliff Richards. This is following some of the superheroes of the DC Universe as they are lost across the universe, battling Darkseid for control of a place called the Ghost Sector. Uh, here we get a little time travel stuff going on. Uh, how did this one strike you? I also like this. Jessica Cruz Green Lantern as the sort of the focal point of this series is uh, really fun. I like her as a character. I like the way they dealt with the time travel here. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Dark Side is has become I, maybe Dark Side is Dark Side is um, Dark Side is. is. I like the fact that we're kind of in a three panel grid right now. By the way. We are. Oh, we are. Yeah, we should figure out a way to make it into nine just to like really even it. Yeah. Things out. I think Tom King is writing um, at least our lives right now. It definitely <laughs> feels that way. I hope um, not. A lot of his shit is yeah. dark, man. Yeah. A, a lot of life is. On. I'm starting to grow my quarantine beard out. So, yeah. Thanks, uh, Tom. What's the guy's name? The Stan Lee uh, analog in that book? Um, like uh, Slappy Silverstone or something like that? Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, he got his name right now. But. So, uh, but what I was saying was, um, I think uh, Miracle Man, that funky series, Flash Man. Funky Flashman, Funky Flashman, great. Uh, uh, Flasher Funky Man is what someone in the uh, Slack is uh, putting in. Um, I like the way that Darkseid has become, uh, maybe partially because of Miracle Man, this sort of presence. As a, we don't even need to see him doing much; he is just this like mind sickness, and I think that's used well here. I also like the way they use um, Green Lantern's broken ring to be uh, a conduit for Darkseid's energy. Really smart stuff. Yeah, I really like the opening. I thought it was a great great job of really grabbing the reader with a great kind of like a, a start to the comic. Art was fantastic. Uh, the Darkseid is stuff was enjoyable. and then But there was this weird like Cyborg kind of had this like kind of a build-up uh, stuff where he was kind of like uh, saying what was going on, but then at the end he pinged, and I didn't know what that was about. Like why he would say he's a, he's a mother box. He's a oh, mother box. Yeah. Oh, okay. That guy's a real like, mother box. <laughs> yeah, I was like that means something, and I'm not getting that. So now you get it. Mostly number ten, written by Greg Rucka and art and cover by Mike Perkins. Tell you what, I missed an issue of this somewhere because whew, this was this was a wild change of pace. This was this such a great issue. So this has mostly been Lois Lane kind of investigating who's trying to kill her in the DC universe. 
I missed an issue, and now there seems to be Lois Lanes from parallel universes who are helping her out, or something like that. W- what's going on here? Well, they're they're uh, Jessica Midnight's from parallel universes. Uh, yeah, I really liked uh, the way they sort of explore, like, explain the multiverse, the like sort of the series of uh, double page spreads. I thought were so cool. Like, and you don't really so much multiversity is talked about in every comic book universe. And this was a really smart execution of it that made reference to a ton of DC universe stuff while also just being sort of fun and cool about it. And just this book in general is just so smart. Lois Lane has never been written as well as she's being written here by Greg Rucka. Like, it's just so good. I love this Lois Lane. Like, this is a really kind of badass Lois Lane who's like, Superman's just this dude who hangs out and eats chips. Like, I love this. She's like, what, Supes? I'm in the middle of stuff. I got stuff to do. You know, like, fly away. It's it's really fun. I really was impressed with the art and the storytelling in this book. This is a really great run of a comic. Uh, I agree. Like I, Lois Lane is really badass. The way they show her and Superman's relationship is so like she's the busy one, and yeah. I think that's such a smart like turnabout for the, where you'd expect it to be Superman being I gotta go, and I love the way they play it. Yeah, yeah, I really like this too. I just highly recommend reading whatever happened last issue because otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good rec. Uh, read issues before you pick it up. You know that way you can know what's going on. It's smart, so. Yes. Justice League number forty-four, written by Robert Vendetti, art by Zermonico. Uh, this is following Neptune's just- balls. <laughs> That's your catchphrase, right, Pete? Dude, uh, that was such a hilarious panel. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, I love Pete that. Already that has, Pete has a catchphrase. It's uh, sucking on a cheesesteak. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Don't laugh, Justin. It gets Don't me. Don't laugh. That it's gets not, me. It's not funny. It's good. That's fun. Um, Neptune's yeah. balls on a cheesesteak. <laughs> <laughs> Neptune's oh, balls. Yeah, I think this sucking on a- Neptune's balls. That's a catchphrase. No, yeah, I so think Justice League's fighting oh, a bunch yeah. of giant monsters. That's basically what goes on this issue. What did you want to say, Pete? Yeah, I just <laughs> think it was really fun with the monsters. Uh, that one monster kind of looked like a Bib Fortuna. That was cool. Uh, <laughs> but it was the ending was tough because I hate to see when my parents are fighting. So that part got a little weird uh, at the end. But overall, this was a fun issue. Agree. This is like epic fantasy stuff. Um, it's a fun palate cleanser from all of the very intense Justice League stuff from right before this. Um, and especially right now, it feels um, like a light, fun uh, read. Speaking of light, fun reads, last one, we're going to talk about Harley Quinn, number 72, written by Sam Humphreys and art by Abel. This is Harley Quinn, now in Los Angeles, no longer at Coney Island, and she is striking up a flirtation with none other than Booster Gold. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is weird because the animated series, which is so good, uh, I feel like they're kind of like copying a little bit because like in the animated series... Ivy and Kite Man have this kind of same pairing that we're seeing in this. So that part was a little weird to me, uh, but it's it's still enjoyable uh, comic. It's fun. I love the flirtation. I love the almost kiss moment um, near the end. And she's like, come on, I have a crush on Booster Gold of anybody. Like, that's fun. Uh, This is all very fun. The only weird thing about it is, and I love seeing them together, it's such a fun pairing that makes total sense at the same time, is that then you don't really have a straight man in the situation, which kind of forces Harley Quinn into the straight man 
position a little That's bit. Great. Like, is it though? Like, no, I, it's not a straight man. But it's straight it's man. fun. Crazy it, bad. Yeah, but it's fun to see that change up. And like, surely you've been hung around with a couple where you're like, "Wow, both these people are crazy." Oh yeah, uh, they, no, never. Oh yeah, no. Okay, no, no you are that couple. I was gonna say, uh, come hang out with me and my wife. And uh, <laughs> speaking of my wife, Lion Botanical, nice! you gotta check it out. <laughs> and the code is Comic Book Twenty for twenty percent off of your order. LionT.com and check them out on Instagram at Lion Botanicals. Please order some tea. Be crazy. <laughs> live your dreams. Uh, live Moss, as they say in her tea company, right? Yep, that's the catchphrase. All right. And our catchphrase is it's time for our next section, which is my favorite section because you all make it up. It's your audience oh, question. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and for the audience questions, most of you are already figured this out. If you're chatting on just drop us a question in the comments there and i will keep an eye on them and read through them if you're thanks alex zalbooth man <laughs> i don't like it uh Zalbuth, dude, man, couple, i love it i don't like it uh we got What's a couple up, questions Zalbuth, here. oh jesus I'm hey, as well and a reminder to those of you on youtube give us that thumbs up give us that like we love that we love likes uh this is uh, oh, I saw a question here. Uh, oh, the, the question from C.T. Cook. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, from Architectural Foam Paddles and Columns. says, curious if 5G is still happening. 5G was the Dan DiDio plan, uh, fifth generation event that was supposed to be coming up. I thought right they were asking now. us about, like, what's faster, 4G or 5G? I well, thought they were like, is 5G responsible for coronavirus? And oh. we have to think about, is it still happening out there? Yeah. Uh, jet fuel can't melt coronavirus, man. Actually, it can. It's hot enough to do that. You only have to get up to like 200 degrees. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think 5G is happening, or at least not in the same form. Would you uh, say what hoppies? No, no one not say that. No okay. one say uh, that. This no. was supposed to be that they were breaking uh, DC into all five generations. Basically, they've rebooted it a couple of times. You have like the different generations of Robins. Superman would be, I think, the Superman from when he was first introduced. Batman would be the Batman from when he was first introduced, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so you'd have all these different generations. And it would basically be like another realignment of the DC universe where all the continuity exists. I don't know if it's happening. That was Dendidio's apparently Pred project. There was a lot of pushback on it. I don't know the whole story, but there's been a lot of writing about it. Uh, the beat in particular had some good writing about it, uh, but it seems like that is probably done. And if anything, this pause on comics has probably put the final lid on it because now they actually have enough time to prepare something else. But, I guess we'll see what happens. <laughs> wow. Isn't that bummer yeah, for bummer. him? Yes. Uh, all right. Let's move over to a question here on Crowdcast. This is from Ben, the Border Collie. I saw a rumor that something X-related may be introduced to the Falcon, the Winter Soldier TV show. How would Ooh. you introduce the event to the MCU? Uh, first thing I'd say to that before we get into the speculative part, um, there are so many rumors that are flying all over the place about shows and movies and everything else. Now that literally nothing is going on at any point, I would take absolutely everything with a huge grain of salt. Because yeah. like, like talking to Josh about earlier, a lot of the less savory, everybody is hurting for content. 
the less savory sites are putting out tons and tons of content that is not necessarily true. Some of it might turn out to be true, but basically, like, look at everything very skeptically until you hear it officially. Uh, on the other side of that, I do think there's been a lot of time to think in these last couple months. Um, I feel like and a, a desire for big events um, to try to draw people back to movies or any sort of content that, that will bring in the X-Men, for instance. So I, maybe there is something coming. And if they were to do it, I mean, flowing through Wolverine makes a ton of sense. Flowing through Wolverine, like bringing, fl- you just bringing, turned into poetry or something. What happened to you? Uh, yes, a little bit. Um, bringing the X Men into the MCU through Wolverine is what I'm saying. Oh, oh you're saying like have Wolverine? Yes. Would, would you want to see Wolverine show up in like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or where would you want to see him pop up first? Uh, I feel like because the, the way to do it and have it really have that impact is like a post credit sequence in uh Dr. Strange or something like that, where he encounters, I mean, the multiversity is there. So like, it's easy to suddenly see a Wolverine pop up in the corner of a situation or something like that. Like that'll, everyone will go crazy. That's like the Nick Fury stuff from the first run of the MCU movies. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I've, I just feel like, uh, I want something to happen that makes sense for them to kind of cross over. It would just be kind of weird if Wolverine walked around and you were just like, well, wait, where the fuck has he been the whole time? You know, just walked around, like just yeah, sort of walked just in the background, like, you know? like nude. Yeah. You make it sound no, like he's walking why around. Would, in the, why would you say nude? Is that the camera? Where's the camera? Because it makes yeah. it sound like they're at a gym and Wolverine's just like, oh, hey, guys, just having a steam. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, they'll do a bigger deal than that. All right. What if Cyclops one, uh, could Cyclops pop up and be like, I'm in the movies now? <laughs> I think someone uh, else would stand up and go, boo. You we mean got you? a follow-up here from CT Kook over on YouTube. If you could age up any superhero for 5G, who would make the most interesting stories? So who would Ooh. you want to see aged up? Nice old superhero. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, this happened, I think, um, but in when we were rereading uh, Blackest Night, I was reminded of Bart Allen. Um, and seeing, uh, I was a big fan of Impulse. Um, I think that's a fun version of the Flash to have back. We have so many very self-serious Flashes, I feel like, lately, and the most fun Flash is a Flash having fun. Wow. Whoa. Uh, I uh, guess so you'd want to age down. You'd want to age Bart down, is what you're saying. No, uh, uh, well, I would... I just, I would have him age up to be the Flash uh, and just maintain. Because a lot of people, you don't have to be, um, you can be fun when you're older. You don't have to give it up. Uh, uh, doesn't seem right to be. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> add up. I would say Kitty Pride, just so, you know, Zalbin could stop being a creep around her. So you would like to see 5G, wow. the DC Comics event, import <laughs> Kitty Pride and then make her very old? Yep. It's a bold choice, but I like it. Yeah. They did what that about in you, Days Alex? of Future Past. Who would I want to see older? Um, I mean, Batman, probably. I feel like old Batman from Batman Beyond would We've be great. We've seen enough hit. old Yeah, Batman. fucking get a real Batman. idea. Good old Batman. No, get a I'm... real idea. Vandal <laughs> Savage, age him up. He's been yeah. young for too long. <laughs> uh, the Spectre. Nice old Spectre as well. 
Uh, all right, this is from Pete's Punisher Slippers. Comics have Please successfully man. adapted into TV, movies, and video games. What do you think of characters or concepts that circle back into comics for better or for worse? For example, the Batman 66 series of comics. Mm. Interesting. Uh, I got to tell you, the first thing that comes to mind, I don't think I have read any of the Marvel Gamerverse stuff. Mm. It's just nothing that really holds any interest for me. Um, I think there's a place for it, but it's certainly something that uh, I'm just. You don't have to be a dick to. about it. You can just say I didn't. No, you know, no, no. I, I think it's bad, and I wish anybody wow. who did wow. it would die. Is that fair, Pete? Wow. Well, it's kind of like what you sounded like you were saying a little bit. <laughs> Your tone. Definitely, that is not what it sounded like. I was. Saying. Wow. Check You're like, done. well, I don't play video games, and I don't think it has a place here. But you know. Is that what I sound like? Yeah. Is that what my voice sounds like? It yeah. is. It's weird. I have sound it. like that when I talk normally. Yeah, and that's how your head moves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very dramatic. Very strong neck. Um, <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind for me is um, a, a rejuvenation of uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, getting getting that version of uh, of those characters back into Marvel continuity, I think would be fun. I feel like miles has been a little bit pushed to the side lately, and I'd like to see um, more of a more prominence for him. I think that uh, for me, you know, a uh, good story is good story. And whether it comes from a video game or an animated show or wherever it comes from, just like, great. If it's awesome, let's throw it in the mix and see how it does. But you know, I don't. I wouldn't be like, "Oh, this came from a video game. Get this out of my comic book," or something like that. Uh, I, yeah, two cents. <laughs> Thanks for your two cents, Pete. Good. Uh, good it felt like two cents. It felt like about two pennies worth, right there. Yeah. I realized uh, it was yeah. going to get over the two cents, and I was like, "Stop." Uh, <laughs> question here from uh, YouTube from Bandito Seven Forty. Have you guys watched Justice League Dark Apocalypse War? I liked it. It was everything I love, hate, and love and hate about DC. Ooh. Do you know if it's based on an actual comic storyline? Uh, I haven't watched it. Have you guys seen that one yet? I know I a lot of not. people have been checking it out. Uh, I've, I wanted a lot of people have mentioned to me that I'll like it because it's very violent. Uh, and I look forward yes. to uh, checking it out. Uh, right now, you can only buy it on Prime. You can't rent it. So I'm waiting for that to go down. And I'm trying to be good and give them money, uh, you know, and not just uh, pirate anything. So I'm waiting patiently. You're a real hero. American hero. What a hero. <laughs> trying. <laughs> Picking my battles. Uh, question here from Kevin. The stars, my desktop. What? That's over? Uh, well, what uh, are everyone's hosts and chat favorite comic or superhero tabletop games? Or what games would you want to see get superhero tie-in versions? Interesting. Uh, I haven't really played many superhero tabletop games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We did a podcast where we did created our own superheroes a while back. That yeah. was pretty fun. We did. Uh, it wasn't that far back ago, but it was. We could go outside, so it seems like a long time ago. Yes. That was a fun little road trip. We all got – I picked up the boys, and we all drove up to the Bronx and did a nice uh, – recorded a, a D&D style podcast. Yeah. 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 I was, have been interested. I haven't been able to track it down, but I have been interested in the lock and key card game that was yes. released. Um, I feel like that would be a fun one to play just because we're so into lock and key. 
uh, I'm a big fan of the comic Die, and the game in the back of that feels wildly difficult to understand, <laughs> but um, it does seem la- very cool, and people seem to really like it. Um, but it's a whole other side of uh, side of it that I haven't gotten into. Yeah, uh, so I mentioned the Gru card game. I've heard great things about that. Um, I haven't played much uh, tabletop stuff, but, you know, they, they seem like a good time. And I got free time now, you know, so maybe I'll check it out. Get into it, dude. Yeah, maybe yeah. I should. Get in the game. Here's a question from Eduardo Martinez. I've heard you guys mention in the stack at times that a book would read better in trade than single issues. I'm wondering if you ever experienced the opposite, a book that you read in trade that you wish you would have read as it was coming out monthly. Mm. Good question. Great question. I much prefer reading all books in monthly. I waiting for a trade is something I don't like to do. And I feel like um, some books are clearly writing for the trade, but the best books are able to write for the monthly and then still have a satisfying trade at the end. Yeah. To me, like um, I've, what's nice is sometimes like, um, as time has gone by, uh, you know, like places have collected artwork that kind of goes with the graphic novel and can really make it flow better than they originally intended to with some interviews and different like pieces that can really make it pop. But to me, like reading things, you know, weekly or biweekly or whatever, and kind of having that in between like, oh, God, what's going to happen? Getting that new comic and opening up and kind of having this little story of a bigger story each kind of i i don't know i'm maybe it's just because i'm old or whatever but i think it's fun and the tension in between is nice to kind of have time to think about what's going to happen where when you're kind of sit down and read it all in one chunk you don't have that time the way to kind of like really imagine or kind of like think about what's going on you know so uh, that's the way i prefer you know who does a great job is Brian K. Vaughn writing for both the single issue and the trade. Yeah, I think that's uh, – I agree with the points you're making, Justin. The only thing that I'd say contrary to it is that often there are books that just – they're so quick to read. Like you read an issue and it's only about five to ten minutes and then you're done. Even if I enjoy it, it's not that much time. So there is something to be said in my mind for the trade just because it takes it feels more like a more significant portion of time and therefore more weight when you're reading it all together. You're a big trade guy. You're a trade guy. We've been betrayed. You've betrayed us. Yeah. Yeah. I Pete betrayed you. Uh, Uh, I would like to say, though, that like um, I know the trade of uh, Court of Owls. There's that one thing where kind of like Batman is lost in a maze, and it's like in the trade because it's such a such a collected piece. You kind of feel bad about the binding because you want to really open it up and look at the maze. So that part to me is kind of tough because it's like in a single you issue. You solve it with a red pen, right? You start drawing all over the issue. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Talk about yeah. a specific answer to that to a question. That it's was like very the old highlights magazine. You know, I bring my pen and I'm ready to kind of to go well, through. Yeah, the I have the same problem with like I I like to read the IHOP placemats <laughs> in issues. Oh, I definitely yeah. You got to wait for the trade, Alex, on those. Oh, the trade? But, yeah, no, it's harder. 
But I also would like to say, though, on the other end of that, reading Why the Last Man in the Trade and like going through all the emotions at once and like kind of having that whole event hit you, uh, super powerful, super amazing. So I don't know. I can kind of see both sides of the story. Well, let me throw this at you, Pete. If you just stack up your monthly comics, it's basically a trade. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, mind blown. How do you bind them? Uh, uh, honey. <laughs> of course. It's a little uh, bit of honey. The, the little blueberry bit of honey. syrup. The blueberry syrup at IHOP is very good for binding the trade. Oh, Alex is quarantining at IHOP, we should tell you. He brings <laughs> oh, in this bookcase. That would have been so smart. <laughs> oh, my God. I'd be oh. so happy oh. if I were quarantining oh. at IHOP. Disgusting. Oh, trying that sweet butter pecan syrup. Oh, oh, man. The fact that you know that, Alex, is a warning flag. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least, at least I'm not spending all of my time sucking on a cheesesteak. Oh, it's <laughs> nothing better. It's a great way to spend time. Gets me every time. We got to just keep that's that has to happen every week. No, oh, I love no it. it doesn't. No, you, it you does catch not. me off guard every time, Alex. And I love it. <laughs> uh, question from Stray Bullet What's one title you're excited to come back when the world reboots? Good Ooh, question. Great question. I mean, Stray honestly, X Men. I'm very excited to get back into the X-Men because that felt like such a dense uh, story that really was building momentum and the momentum was just absolutely shattered. So like, I want to get back to that. Pete. Um, I'm interested to see if X-Men lands this insane Island humping fucking bullshit adventure. Um, but I'm also just excited (laughs) to get back to going to the comic book store again and kind of, yeah, because you don't one. actually read comics. You just go to the store and like posture around and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You try to pick fights with people and stuff. Poser. Yeah, hey, you, uh, you got the trade for a collection for X Men: The Island Fucking Adventure. Is that it yet? <laughs> Is that collected yet? Because I gotta see if they're gonna land this thing. The island fucking. Are they gonna finish? <laughs> tell me, are they gonna finish? I'm a comic book fan. Just tell. I don't even need to see the comics. Just, just tell me. Stories. I want to just give walk me through it. Mike, a shout out in the comments. Yo, Jimbo, uh, I agree. Yes. Another shout out in the comments, Eduardo Martinez, Undiscovered Country. Also, yes. Excited to get back into that equally dense and insane world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, another one oh, from Beer Cat PhD. If you could choose any comic book author to write your biography, who would you Ooh. pick? Ah, oh, man. Great question. Hmm. Biography. Wow. It's uh, tough. It's tough. Wow. This is kind of blowing my mind. Garth Ennis would be great for Pete, obviously. Right. Should right. really explore the dark underpinnings. But um, also, like, Greg Pak kind of knows us and would uh, bring such a nice humor and uh, kind of, like, resonance to it. He would, write, he would write the shit out of your beard. He would really write <laughs> your beard well. <laughs> Uh, it depends on how true you want it to be. Because if it's like Garth Ennis, I think he would bring a lot of research, but he'd kind of amp you up a little bit, Pete. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Justin, you probably want James Robinson, right? Um, well, let me throw this out. Uh, he feels like he's uh, stumbled a bit in the last couple of years as a sure. as a comic book writer. Uh, yeah, maybe late 90s, James Robinson. I'm not giving up on him. I still read his stuff. But he, by his own admission, he's like, I don't know what I'm doing as much. 
I think he's had a rough go of it um, in a lot, uh-huh. especially if, if you read the back matter to the omnibuses, uh, you'll learn a lot about his backstory. Um, I mean, Scott Snyder would write an epic biography with oh. an epic soundtrack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, what about like, uh, I, I think Fred Van Lenty. I'd like yeah. that. You wrote me. I'd be happy about that. I think he'd do a fun job. Yeah, I mean, are you announcing? Are you announcing this project right now, Alex? Yeah, I mean, the comic book history of B. I don't know (laughs) if Ryan Dunlavey and Fred Van Lenty want to do it. I'm up for it. I am an open book, literally. I gotta feel like we'll be characters in this book. Yeah, I think so. It's a it's a chapter, maybe. Yeah, it's just a small. Uh, all right, we got one from Joe Crack with comments about the Batman being raw and not sanitized. What are your thoughts on Hollywood's desire to put Batman in movies mostly unsuited for children when many people fell in love with the character as a child? Uh, well, if they don't fucking like the Batman, they can fucking deal with it. Wow. wow. They got to learn wow. fucking sometimes that the Batman is hardcore. You know, unpopular opinion. I think the problem with with the Batman movies so much is they're just afraid of looking foolish. They're afraid of it being they don't want to take a risk. It's like we have to be edgy. We have to be serious. And so it's this arms race where it just keeps escalating um, toward that, because I agree, like we've talked about this so much, I feel like in quarantine and maybe that's because we just like long for our childhood. But like Batman, the animated series feels like the the batman we connect with the most and if they could somehow translate that to film i think everyone would love that yeah and then that sort of tracks more with like a tony stark style batman which you would think would be great what i mean i read those quotes and there was like the raw and unsanitized and i think also uh what's his name andy circus was like yeah it's really gritty and realistic like how he's still in a bat suit I mean, how much grittier and more realistic could it possibly be? Yeah, because Ben Affleck's take was pretty dark. Well, that was dark, but that wasn't very realistic. I'm saying, like, the Nolan movies, Dark Knight Rises certainly got very comic booky, which I know we've argued about this, but, like, that's the reason that I like Dark Knight Rises the best of that trilogy, is it feels like a 90s Batman crossover. I don't care. Bad Um, bad point to introduce this argument. So good on a cheesesteak! (laughs) <laughs> oh man i even like it when pete does it live oh, this is this is my achilles heel this is my kryptonite <laughs> but the Dolly movies were supposed to be like this is a realistic gritty batman this is what batman would be like in the real world you know even if yeah. they went a little over the top sometimes no, so, when that football field caves in behind <laughs> that dude running with the ball, I was like, yeah. now that's realism. Yeah. That's like August Strindberg. Or <laughs> yes, well, that's what I'm saying is like how much more ground level could you make it than the Nolan movies? Is it going to be like him being like, my parents were murdered, and somebody else comes in and be like, I hear your parents were murdered, and then it's just back and forth for an hour and a half, and he's well, like... that's what I'm saying. I think the, grid- the grittiness becomes unrealistic. Like... I think I think we need to pull back on if we want realistic Batman, I think we need to pull back on the grittiness and have it be a pursuit and not this just like force of vengeance that we have to like tolerate for uh hundred and forty minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred hundred and thirty minutes though were pretty good. And then that last ten minutes is just 
too gritty. Well, that's when grit. That's when gritty the um, mascot showed up, and uh, that was that's too gritty. Yeah. Uh, here's something from Jay Sinison. This is about our guest earlier, Gene Luen Yang. Uh, Superman Smashes the Clan was very Fleischer, Kirk Allen, George Reeves influence. It's cool to see because so much of Superman changed after the Christopher Reeve. That flick was so awesome. It very quickly became a big part of the look and feel of the comics. What pre-78 aspects of Superman do you think have been lost? Wow. Ooh, nice. I feel like you're trying to stump us this week, you guys. Wait, uh, pre-78 comic book, or are we talking about, like, the movies? Yeah. Uh, Mike Beneke says Red Kryptonite. I don't know if that's pre-78, because definitely, like, there was stuff in the 80s and whatnot uh, with all the colored kryptonites, but that was fun. Yeah. Well, and uh, this is something that they tried to bring back, I think, with New 52, was Superman as more of a, a guy who lived in an apartment trying to fight the fight for the the underserved or the of poor people. And I think that was something from the early Superman mythology that I really liked and tracks so much with Superman. It's just because of the continuity now. He has to be so busy solving everything. But Superman just being this, like, bare-knuckled guy who's, like, trying to protect people in his neighborhood, I, I think is really cool. Yeah. I, I kind of getting back a little bit to the old school of Superman and just him kind of being a nice, uh, a person, a very kind of like old school, nice person, I think would be an interesting kind of really take, especially now just to kind of like to see, just to see what, how different that would look or feel or whatever might be interesting. Uh, cool. Good question. A couple more here. Uh, we got one from uh, Mike Beneke. What have you missed most about New Comic Book Day? I think, Pete, oh. you've said a couple of times, just go into the store. Yeah. yeah, the people, seeing the people you see and the interactions you have. What people do you see? What do you do? What is this, a, a day-long event for you? Dude, when you walk into the comic book shop, it's your people, you know? you got to say what up to the people you always see, you know, and... They start playing the Cheers music when you walk into Midtown, right, Pete? Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah. Wow. I've been in there when you've walked in, Pete, and I don't remember that much fanfare. Uh, you probably <laughs> were busy looking at your phone instead of paying attention to the actual people in front of you. Wow. What are you trying to, I'm not a man of the people? That's right. That's what I just said out loud. Wow. Well, I, I, I got to say, this is kind of terrible, but we were talking about this uh, when we taped this week's Stack Podcast a little bit. I've been liking the opportunity to go back and read stuff again. Like wow. sometimes just, just for pleasure, you Good. know, books both take Alex. You don't like new comic book day. <laughs> <laughs> you like old comic book month. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like when I was younger, I had my books and I'd read my books and I'd read all the monthly books that I get through delivery and then I'd go back and I'd read literally everything all over again. And even into my 20s, there were points where I'm like, I got nothing to do. I'll do that. Read through wow. all my comics again. Sounds like an exciting childhood. It sounds I like mean, you miss being young. <laughs> it sounds like you miss not having responsibilities. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is a slightly related thing, but I miss my muscles not hurting all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I miss my young bones. Yeah. Uh, that's fun uh, I mean I just I miss the the ongoing being able to pick up a comic and be like opening it and being like oh 
here's where we were. Here's where we're going. Here's what yep. the next thing, like just the, the feel of the dipping into the stream of comic book continuity. And now we just don't have that. It's all dried up and we just have to go back to um, Alex's favorite thing, the dusty old books from our childhood. But also just being in the know, like knowing things before people, like reading the comic book seeing the first appearance of somebody or the start of an idea or something like that. That is just yeah. like, so you're just worried every Wednesday. You're worried. All the normies are going to catch up to us at this point. That's yeah, what you're exactly. <laughs> what if they learn as much as we know? <laughs> what are we worth then? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, question here from, wait, hold on. I'm going to get it uh, from Palmer Eldritch. Uh, how do you feel about the Sweet Tooth TV show news? Who would you cast as the main characters? What would you like to see? What would you change? So this came out actually right before we started doing the show here. Uh, but Robert Downey Jr. is producing a Sweet Tooth TV show for Netflix. There are eight one-hour episodes in the first season. Uh, not Josh Brolin, but James Brolin is going mm. to be the narrator. Uh, Will Forte is in it. Yeah, Tooth, but Checks as out. one of the other characters uh, and a bunch of young kids are in it as well of course as all of the animal kids uh, the thing that gave me a little bit of pause and I don't have the description open right now is that they described it as a all ages adventure where mm. an animal kid named mm. Gus uh, tries to find his origins and I was like there's some fucked up shit that happens really fucked up shit, yeah. all the time but all ages, I feel like, is a little more fucked up than it used to be. Really? Don't you I don't think? Know, seen, I don't know if you've seen Bambi, but mom dies early in that, bro. Yeah, it's fucked That's up. True. Brutal. Yeah, I'm going to see if I can find the description while we're talking about it. Like, I understand what you're saying. And as long as there's some darkness, I feel like it'll be okay. Because it's not, it's more of a like a dreadful dystopia. It's not like a bunch of violence happens all the time. No, it yes. is like animal children eating animal children, people getting shot through the head, killed all the time. The description is Sweet Tooth is the broad appeal, family friendly storybook adventure of Gus. Mm, that does not sound like the comic book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, so I guess we'll see. I mean, I'm excited for it. And, you know, Jeff Lemire, get that cheddar or whatever. Good for you. Get hey, that don't cheddar. get mad at him. He's getting that cheddar. No, man. I'm not. I'm very, I'm very happy. Well, Alex, why, are you mad? why are you mad at Jeff Lemire? He's just trying yeah, to get that cheddar uh, cheese. I'm so angry. I hope he's he, uh, trying to get that, that bag. That guy likes that cheese. He's chasing the bag of cheese that Pete keeps talking about. All right. Just uh, hold that from Wait, one last thing. We didn't say who our casting was. Timothy oh, Chalamet. Sure. Timothy, th- Timothy oh, Chalamet. Nice, dude. Great. That'd be great. Nice. He's definitely young enough to play. I think he actually has little deer horns. <laughs> yeah, he does. So he's Naturally. fine. He's like an innocent little doe, that guy. Uh, this is from Jive495. Which comic book character does Pete think would make the best cheesesteak? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> would would prepare the best cheesesteak? Yeah, make the best cheesesteak. <laughs> which comic book character would be... Uh, Killed and cooked into the best cheesesteak. <laughs> well, that's two different questions. Make up your mind. I bet you can um, answer both of them. Yeah. Um, let's see. Who would make the best? No, Deadpool, he makes chimichangas. I don't know if he has the attention span for the hey, cheesesteak. I hate to tell you, Peter, chimichanga is knocking on the door of a cheesesteak, my friend. <laughs> yeah. It's right there. Huh. 
I'm going to go with... No, no. Sucking on a cheesesteak. Yeah, yeah. Sucking on a cheesesteak. Mm-hmm. I'm trying Sucking to think of, like, who steak. have we seen that cooks? Like, who have we even seen, like, work a barbecue? I know there was, like, a couple... Like one of those baseball episodes where, like, you know, Captain America's working a grill. I mean, that would be kind of cool to have Captain America make you a cheesesteak. <laughs> How you got there was so amazing. You really walked yourself into that in a lovely way. Thanks. That was like a 10 year old boy being like, well, Captain America probably makes a good cheesesteak. <laughs> He's my hero. <laughs> I don't know. That would be nice, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, Foggy Nelson uh, does a lot of late nights ordering food, working on yeah. law stuff. I bet he knows a good cheesesteak place, and I bet he, oh, can he probably does. Yeah. Probably and knows which, a good. Uh, I don't know. Before you forget about it, which character would be best made into a cheesesteak? Mm-hmm. Speedball. <laughs> Speedball. Very no, lanky. No follow-up questions. Nope. Yeah, uh, just because fuck Justin. Uh, great. I think, uh, oh, that's a good one, Mike. Let's talk about this before we move on. This is on the sweet tooth, uh, sweet tooth bent. CT kook says over on YouTube, I don't know. They ruined the locking key by making it family friendly. Um, this is something that we talked about a little bit on a podcast. I disagree with this, but I think I understand where CT kook is coming from. Yeah. Because, Certainly what they did, what I feel like they did with Lock and Key was they positioned it to give it the best chance to succeed on Netflix, yeah. right, if that makes sense, versus like, yes, they took out some of the horror, but I like what they did. I like the changes. And that's part of the reason I actually feel like nervous about Sweet Tooth, but a little better at it, because having a hardcore, violent animal kids show is probably not going to connect in the same way as a family-friendly show that turns it into sort of a dark fable, you know? Well, and let me... Because, like, I take the point that, like, if you're a big Lock and Key fan and you miss the horror elements, and we've talked about that a lot in the podcast, um, that's something you can definitely miss. But what I like that they did with Lock and Key is they really translated it. They really took those ideas and spun them in a way that worked for that type of story. And as long as they take... take the same care and sweet tooth and really take those tragic dystopian moments and find a way to retell them in a way where they still have impact. I think it works. Yeah. I, right, I hear what, he's, what the point is though. It's like when we read lock and key, there were panels that made us jump. So there was a little less of that tension, that horror, Holy shit kind of stuff in the book, which cut a little bit of its edge. But I think the creativity and like you said, Justin, the storytelling kind of prevailed and it still kind of held a lot of what made a walking key great. I would say though, on the same bent that uh, another family friendly thing that makes you jump is Chris Cross. <laughs> oh my God. That's true. Yeah. I wow. wish they, I wish they really brought a, a lot of the horror elements of Criss Cross. Um, <laughs> the way the pants were really constrictively. Have you uh, seen backwards. House Party Two? Fucking terrifying, man! Oh, Are you talking about the pajama one? jammy jammy jam? Oh yeah, of course. Last question here from Stray Bullet: The Snyder Cut is coming to HBO Max. Why? <laughs> great, uh, question. great question. Great question. I don't think it's coming to HBO Max because I don't think it exists. So there you go. 
Interesting. Um, if it were to come, the reason it would come is because every streaming network is desperate to draw people to it, uh, and it will. They will do anything to try to take Netflix. Just reconquered streaming because of uh, the coronavirus lockdown, and now all these other services that are just emerging have to somehow claw their way into the picture. So HBO Max. I mean, Quibi. Not to get too deep into all this business sure. stuff, but uh, the Quibi interview in the New York Times this past weekend was crazy and sad. Um, everyone is in is trying to find their spot, and it's just a much harder time than they thought it was going to be. Well, let me ask you guys something. Would you watch the Snyder Cut? I don't. Sure. I mean, I, would. I would not watch it, but I would not be like, I got to see this. I don't. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I, he, I, he hurt me the first time around. I'm not going to go back for more. I mean, I'd be curious just so we could talk about it, honestly. Like, that's the main reason that I'd watch it. And also so that people could stop talking about it coming out. That would be kind of nice. To Justin's point, and not to get, like, two in the weeds here about business stuff or anything, but... Weed it up. Weed it up. Uh, for my day job, I was starting... We're starting to prep our coverage for HBO Max, and... They had a pretty light launch slate anyway. They're coming out on May 27th. But their big thing was the Friends reunion special, which is not happening now. So they basically have like – they have a very robust back library of Warner Brothers stuff and other channel stuff and everything else that's coming out. But they don't really have – they have hundreds of shows and movies in development, and none of them can shoot right now. Yeah. So to your point, I feel like – I don't think the Snyder Cut exists, but if they are going to launch it, now is definitely the time where they'd be like, here's an unfinished director's cut with some animatics that we threw in there to make it make some sort of sense. Enjoy. Please subscribe to our service. I got I got really excited because I thought you were going to say Animaniacs. Like, that would fucking blow Animaniacs my mind. Animaniacs is coming back. Yeah, it coming will back be. to Hulu, weirdly. Oh, I love that show. It's a good show. Release the Snyder Cut of Animaniacs, and then I'm there. Excellent. All right. And that is it for your audience question. Yeah, yeah. That was Tiny Toons, Pete. Oh, my bad. My bad. Uh, You don't even know what you're talking about, man. That's good catch. Yo, I got you, dude. Kids WB, dude. All right. uh, Time (laughs) to move on to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. Stray bullet, first stand up, guys. The stray bullet. The stray bullet. Yep. Wow, he did it. That was super quick. All right, here we go. Hold on. Oh my gosh. So so much chatting going on. Hold on. This is going to take a second here. That's all right. We have plenty of time. So Pete, now. In your development of trivia this week, what right. were you? What was going through your head, like um, when you first were like, Topical "What should I do?" For or... I think it will be revealed as it is uh, towards the end. You know, sometimes uh, it's really about how. <laughs> hey! Can you guys hear me? Yeah. yeah. Wow. What's up, man? How are you? Awesome. Great uh, to see you, man. Great. Yeah, good, good to, to see you. Uh, thanks for coming in. Thanks for coming on for trivia. I'm going to turn yeah, over yeah. to Mr. Pete now. So Pete, I brought the props. Is that cool? I brought props. Yes. I, yes. Sure. My, wife, my wife was here a few minutes ago, and she walked over. She goes, what are those? And I said, it's for trivia. <laughs> and she just yeah. went, oh, okay, and walked away. So let's go. Wait, are you going to show them <laughs> Oh, nice. How are you yes. 
Okay. This is this is excellent. I'm very excited about this. I think okay, we have here we go. Of uh, trivia, by the way. Take it away, Pete. <laughs> All right. So today's trivia is on topical comic news. Yes, my favorite Question topic. Number one. Please listen to all uh, all three possible answers before you give your choice. Uh, today's que- uh, question number one: Who is writing the new Batman Three Jokers comic uh, that is coming out in August? Is it A. Jeff Johns, B. John George, or is it C. John Irving? So it's either A. Jeff Johns. Or it is B, John George, which I heard not that smart of a... Hey! Nice! Yes, great. great. Question number two. I wish it was John George. Yeah, I think we all do. In the upcoming The Joker 80th Anniversary 100-page Super Spectacular, one of the writers said, which character will steal the show? Is it A, Batmite, B, Punchline, or is it C, Glenn Close? So it's either A, Batmite, which I I don't know, or it could be B, Punchline. B is correct! Great stuff. Nice, nice. Killing it. Pre-made cards. All right, here we go. Last one. (laughs) Speaking of Punchline... Who will have a face-off with Punchline in her own comic coming out with issue number 75? Is it A, Harley Quinn, B, Catwoman, or is it C, Jessica Tandy? So it's either A, Harley Quinn, which makes the most sense, or you could be completely wrong. (laughs) A is correct. (laughs) I love how you pulled it up kind of creepily, a little Very dramatic. I assume I, you don't have a C card, right? Because you know that would never be necessary. Wow. Oh, yeah. Always prepared. Yeah, always be prepared. Nice. Did, did, you you guys the, uh, did you guys do the what are we drinking part yet? We did. Oh, no, we didn't actually. Uh, Brett, what are you drinking? Are you drinking something over there? Paradise Park. Ooh, Ooh. is that local? Is that yeah, uh, Urban South, New Orleans? Ah. Nice, nice. Uh, I, got, I got a. Here, here we go. Twenty-first uh, Amendment Brewery. Yeah, love that beer. Blood Orange IPA. Wow. Yeah, oh, that's a child Ooh. behind me. I don't know if you heard. Yes, yeah, I, I see him. Yeah, yeah. He's, he I'm, looks uh, like he's uh, having fun. Yeah, look at there he is, right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having the last of my white claw, so I'm excited. Oh, that what this will you is do over. next? Um, yeah. And I was drinking some uh, Gruner Veltliner. Uh, oh. Uh, very uh, nice. All right. Before we let you go, plug your restaurant down in New yeah, Orleans. Yeah. Ah, uh, Koshan Restaurant down in New Orleans. I am the chef's cuisine. I'm also oh, the yeah. official CBC chef, right? Yes. 100%. Yeah, that's right. Thanks. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, I went down there to eat, and man, had a great meal, great I time. Can't... I was shooting in New Orleans. I was shooting all night, every night for like three days, and I snuck in for a lunch and then took a very long nap. It was amazing. <laughs> you, you like he took that like a champ because like you had had like three hours of sleep and then rolled yeah. in, honestly looking like you had three hours of sleep. Thank you. I <laughs> and, take that. Like, took down quite a bit of food. You a and, lot. and uh, you and uh, Pigeon took down a lot of food. Yes. Pigeon from Slack. 
practice from Slack. Yes, yes it was. We haven't was, had a good. We haven't had a good Slack war, food war, in a while either. Oh, I know we need a new topic. I mean, no. we all remember the bacon wars from like 2019. <laughs> yes, yeah. I think, I, I think I won the bacon war. I'm I lost Lost yeah, we lost a lot of good people out there. But I I'll tell you what, slightly undercooked bacon one, as always. <laughs> as soon as I'm out, allowed out of my bunker, I'm coming to New Orleans, man. I'm sick yeah. of this shit. I have to hear about how great it was from Justin all the fucking time. I talk about it a lot. It truly yeah. was an epic meal. Yeah. Great beer. Had some uh, local beer at noon. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. It Thank always you. is a pleasure. Shoot us an email at comicbookclublive at gmail.com. We're going to send you a $25 gift card for Midtown Comics. Yep, that's uh, and Thank you, guys. So good seeing you. So Bye great to see you, again. you All right. Uh, uh, what? Uh, it was uh, World go- According to Garp. Kevin got it right. Just wanted to kind of. Oh, okay. Do you want to explain what that was, or you just want to say World According to Garp? Nah, yeah, just, just say random stuff. Yeah, That's just random stuff. I think it works. Great. Your third answer is equal a Robin Williams movie. In this case, it was World According to Garp. Yep. And then we don't need no more explanation by, uh, besides that. Um, yeah. Question from Pete's Punisher Slippers Whatever happened to Nat Towson? Um, and uh, Nat Towson is someone that we don't talk about on this podcast. Uh, yeah, because it's not really a part of it or anything. He's not really like a part of it. So I don't know what, what all these questions are. <laughs> he definitely uh, texted me and was like, why do you guys talk about me a lot? And so we're definitely not talking about him this week. Right. Yeah, good call. Who are we not talking about again? I don't even remember the name of Ooh. the very punchable man named Nat Towson. Yeah, that's Before both. Wrap man, up here, I have that guy straight punched in the face. Before we wrap Stomach. up here, you want to plug that T again, Justin? Uh, you know I do. Check out um, Lion Dandelion Tea. It's refreshing and restorative, a detox for your liver, and a digestive aid. Uh, it's a great debloater, and um, going slightly off script, I think we're all feeling a little bloated, right? <laughs> <laughs> it both cures a quarantine hangover and can be a great mixer for your quarantine uh, beverage of choice. Head over to liontea.com. Or follow them at Lion Botanicals on Insta. I'll be doing a uh, Instagram and it's live. Lion like the cat, not like you're fucking making shit up. Yes, that's Lion like sure. the Lion King, not like yep. Pete LePage, the Lion King. Uh, oh, hey! No. <laughs> um, tomorrow at four thirty Eastern Standard Time, um, my wife and I and a uh, artist chef of a friend of ours named Jay Battle will be doing a uh, live cooking thing where we are cooking some dandelion greens. And if you want twenty percent off an order of Lion Tea, you can use the code Comic Book Twenty, which definitely works now. All right, there we go. A couple of other things to plug before we go. Next week on the show, we're going to have two more amazing guests. We're going to have Nate Lindley from Afghan Press, as well as Susanna Polo from Polygon is going to be here for our stack section to talk about the long Halloween. What yes, very excited about that. Very yeah. excited. If you want to support us on Patreon and argue about bacon and bagels and other things like that, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a couple of other podcasts right now. The two that are running our podcast, our Kitten podcast, is about to wrap up the season. Also, Star Guys, our Star Girl podcast, just getting started. The show kicks off next week. Not only are we going to have a recap podcast, we're also going to be doing bonus podcasts. After the CW airing of the show, so that's really there. If you want to subscribe to this podcast, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice. Socially connect with us at Comic Book Live on Twitter. We'll be up a poll for our next stock podcast. 
Twitch. This week is V for Vendetta, so if you want to check that out, you can check that out to the stack feed and also the comic book stuff feed. It's so much fun. Uh, Love doing it. Thank you so much, guys. Comicbookclublive.com uh, for this podcast, and many uh, more. We will see you next week, next Tuesday, 7 p.m., live on Crowdcast, live on YouTube. They're all awesome. Sucking on a cheesesteak. Come on, guy. Come on. There it is. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.